Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. A lot of you were here the first week when we were talking about just the general overview of the love languages, the five love languages and what those were. And we just did a little, talked a little bit about each one. And then last week, Pastor was here talking about, or doing the test with you, I believe. He was doing the test while I was gone and with our Bible quizzers. And so tonight, we're going to dive right into to the love languages. And we're going to start talking about the first one and maybe the second one. I think we'll have enough time um, to do them both. So tonight, the first, the first love language that we're going to talk about is words of affirmation. And we touched on that just a little bit. Um, how many of you, you feel, you think that's your love language after you've taken the test? Words of affirmation. Yeah, okay, that's about the right percentage. Surprisingly, there, I think there was just as many women as men. A lot of times, the men is words of affirmation. Um, although ladies like to hear nice things as well. Um, just like the, any language that we talked about before, any language has different dialects. So we're going to talk about some of the different dialects of words of affirmation. If you do not have paper, you want to get paper because you want to take notes, maybe. <laughs> you might want to take notes. I think it's a good idea. You need to reference these things later. I'm going to have you writing several things tonight. If you need paper and don't have paper, will you raise your hand? Sister Shelley has paper for you. Keep your hands up till she's got new paper. going to be making some lists tonight, so I want to make sure you all have paper. They're still passing out paper. I'm just going to talk about a few things while they're passing out paper, while she's passing out paper. I told you a few weeks ago, words of affirmation is not my love language. Um, I definitely have at least one child that it's theirs, and it's, my husband has probably two love languages, and this is, this is his smaller one, but (laughs) he does, he likes words of affirmation, and so we talked about the first week what you need to learn to do if it's not your, your um, language that you're fluent in, if it's not your primary language that you speak, you need to learn it. Because, especially if it's your spouse's language, because you've got to be able to speak their language so that you can communicate, right? And so we want to make sure we know their language. But really, even if it's not your primary love language, all the love languages are used in every relationship to an extent. Um, So you need to know them all, be familiar with all of them, because if any one of them are missing, something will be missing in your relationship. You have to have a little bit of all of them, even if it's not your main language. Did everyone get a piece of paper now? Okay, good. Well, we're going to get started. I told you a few weeks ago the quote from Mark Twain where he said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. 
And if that was reality, then that meant six compliments would have, uh, you know, kept him alive for a whole year. And some people can really go a long way from a good compliment. But there are different types of compliments or words of affirmation that we want to learn about. The first, there's going to be four dialects of, of words of affirmation that we're going to talk about, four different dialects. The first one's encouraging words. Encouraging words. We need to be able to encourage our spouses to do things that make them happy. My husband, um, he likes to hunt. I don't like to hunt. In fact, I'm really not a fan of hunting at all. <laughs> I think it's very time-consuming. I mean, you sit there all day. And at the end of the day, especially if you don't kill anything, I'm like, I could have gotten so many things done. You're just sitting there. I don't understand it. Um, it's very expensive. <laughs> it takes up a lot of space. <laughs> I like small spaces. I'm, I like a small space. I'm a little bit more of a minimalist. I don't like a lot of things. Our family of six could probably live in 600 square feet. I'd be happy. Um, I don't like a lot of things. And so um, hunting, <laughs> you ha it brings a lot of things. It takes up so much room. you got boots on your porch, a backpack by the door, um, coat on the chair. These are big poofy coats too, not like ones that will fit in your hall closet. Uh, you know, just <laughs> cameras on the table, guns, bows, ammo. So you get my point. takes a lot of room. And... I don't like it, but he does. And when we were first married, I used to complain about it a lot to him, too much. I was wrong, and I would complain. He eventually stopped wanting to go as often because, you know, that would be, I guess, considered nagging. <laughs> Why are you going hunting again? Didn't you already go two weeks ago? Like, And Sister Ferris, because, of course, Bishop Ferris likes to hunt. I remember when I moved here. She said, oh, Cindy, you're going to learn very quickly. Because I, I said, well, tomorrow's the first day of, you know, whatever season it was, muzzleloader. She said, there are 26 first days. And I said, what do you mean? She, started, she was like, first day of bow season, first day of doe season, first day of buck season, first day of muzzleloader season, first day of hunting, our turkey season. She's like, first day is not that important. There's all kinds of first days. <laughs> and uh, I, would, I would just, he got to where he didn't want to go as often. And it probably wasn't worth the fuss to him, maybe, because I'm like, you're going again. And it probably wasn't as often as what I thought it was. But because I wasn't going and I was home maybe with the kids, it just seemed unfair. <laughs> and um, I could see, though, that he was disappointed when maybe an opportunity came and went or maybe a season came and went and he hadn't got to take time to hunt. And I realized I was being selfish. I was being selfish. If, he'd, if he stayed home instead of hunting, really – probably didn't get something done that I wanted done anyway <laughs> because uh, it, it happens like that. And I encouraged him to schedule time for his favorite hobby. I started encouraging him to do that and um, to take a vacation day here or there and go do something without me, to go hunting, have his own me time because by doing that, he could refuel, you know, with his own time. And he relaxes when he hunts. And when you're able to get your mind at rest, and relax and enjoy yourself everything's better so and guess what else he gets more honeydews done if he's happy so if he's happy by doing something you've encouraged him to do in turn and that sounds silly but really that is how relationships work when you're happy you're more apt to make the other one happy because 
you're happy. <laughs> happy people like to be around happy people. You just want to be careful, though, not to encourage your spouse for selfish motives. Don't go, go hunting, because I really want him to help me paint this bathroom next week. So I'm going to tell him he owes it to me. If I, You don't want to have the wrong motives. So you have to be careful. That never ends well when your motives are wrong. Most of us need courage, though, to develop our potential. We all have potential in life to do different things, and you need courage. You need courage to develop your potential. A loving spouse can provide courage. And the reason encouraging word is one of the main dialects for this love language. Encourage means to inspire courage. Maybe they've wanted to paint the bathroom green or, or maybe they want to run a 5K or whatever it is your spouse, he or she wants to do, you need to encourage them to go after something that they like, something that they enjoy. Encouragement is a powerful dialect of words of affirmation. We all need to be encouraging. That's not just a love language with your spouse. It's a love language with your friends, your mother, your children. You need to encourage them. Have encouraging words. Our second dialect of words of affirmation is kindness or kind words. We talked about encouraging words. The second one would be kind words. So you want to write that down, kind words. The Bible says love is kind. You can say kind words unkindly. Sarcasm can be very hurtful. Some people just consider themselves sarcastic. They say, well, I'm just sarcastic. Um, you can get carried away with that. It can be very hurtful, especially if there's not an understanding. And even after a while, even if your spouse is sarcastic, there always comes a time when you need them to be serious and you need to be able to give them kind words. Also, if your spouse is having a bad day, and we all have those days when we're maybe a little grouchier than others, the Bible says a soft answer turns away anger turns away wrath. So just because they're having a bad day and maybe they said the wrong thing, it's not right to say the wrong thing back to them. If you answer them with, with softness and tenderness, it will help put the fire out. <laughs> you don't want to fuel it by spitting out angry words to them when they some, say something. You instead maybe receive that information that seems angry as a signal. You need to receive that as a signal to you of their emotional feelings. Something's going on. Something happened. They've had a bad day. Uh, seek to put yourself in their shoes. The Bible also says love doesn't keep score of wrongs. It also doesn't keep record of past failures, things you've done in the past, even within your relationship. We aren't always going to make the right decision in marriage. We all make mistakes. But you can't erase the past in your marriage. And it's so dangerous when you speak unkind words because you can't take them back. If we choose, um, if, if we can confess it and agree that we were wrong, but if we choose justice and you seek to pay your spouse back, you're making yourself the judge of that situation, and really you're making your spouse the felon when you judge them. Any intimate moment becomes impossible because... Uh, you, you know, you're over them. You're the judge, and they're the felon, and you lose that. And you have to cr uh, choose to forgive and restore that intimacy. Forgiveness is the way to love. We have to be forgiving of each other to stay married and have a happy relationship. You have to choose to forgive. You have to. We have a tendency to mess up a new day. When you wake up and it's a new day and you bring up something from yesterday, then you just messed up your new day. <laughs> Leave yesterday 
in yesterday, and don't let your yesterday mess up your today. Um, maybe you, these are common things we'll hear sometimes. Uh, I just can't believe you did that. I'm never going to forget it. I, I forgive you, but I'll never forget it. Or you don't know how much you hurt me, and on and on, those kind of words. Those are not kind words. Those are not words you should use with your spouse. They're not love words. Those are words of bitterness and resentment or revenge. Yes, you might hurt, but you have to accept that as history. Ephesians says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Colossians says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is powerful. And really, when you speak unkind words, you know, like the Bible talks a lot about it. And there's a lot of ancient proverbs, not even in the Bible, other, other things written that talk about words. And just you can't, once you've said them, once they're out, you know, sometimes you can't resist that. I just have to say it. And you can't take it back. And it's so, words are so hurtful. So use kind words. The third dialect we'll talk about is humble words. Talked about encouraging words, kind words. We'll talk about humble words. When you're making, when you're talking to your spouse and you're, demanding them to do something instead of requesting it that's not humility <laughs> that's it's not you know we're in a relationship here it, love requests love does not demand you're not their mother ladies sometimes you feel like it because you have to pick up after them and sometimes they feel like our father because they need to correct us when we do things wrong but men you're not their father ladies you're not their mother have you ever seen someone who talks to their spouse, and they t they're telling their spouse what to do, and you're around them when they're doing it, and they're saying, I told you to, it's so embarrassing, isn't it? It's awkward, because it's not right. Things that are awkward normally are, they're not right. It's, I'm always so embarrassed when I'm around a couple, and there's someone, one of them are saying, I told you to do this, and you should, it's just, it's not right. We're partners together. We're not a mother and a, or, and a child. We need to know what the other one wants. If my husband requests me to make, maybe he wants me to make his favorite chicken dish. And if he says something like, I would love to have that dish. Man, I've been thinking about that, how good that tastes. Or, man, that sounds good. That'd be awesome if we could have that one night this week or one night next week. Do you think maybe you could do that? Then I'm going to be like, sure, yeah, it makes me feel good. His request actually kind of made me feel good. Um, if he, if he says something like, um, can you stop making Pop-Tarts for dinner? Then it's just going to make me mad. I don't really make Pop-Tarts for dinner, but sometimes some dinners are more lame than others. Sometimes you have more time than others. And if they complain and say, I don't like this, you know, you get frustrated. Well, that's all I had time to make. Why didn't you make dinner? Or I didn't, I was rushed. I was doing this and that. You know, you can get... And so you, you need to make requests, not demands, and just be kind in the way you say it. Um, if I say, you know, babe, you think maybe you'd have time to help me this week with the yard and maybe some of the weeding? Um, 
I'm sure he'd say, yeah, I think. Let me look at my calendar. Let me see what day will work, you know. But if I'm like, Aaron, you can't even see the house because our weeds are so high. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, he's just going to get angry and be like, why don't you do it, you know, or I could use some help. I've been doing this, this, and this. And it requests, can, it really, when you make a request, it should affirm their ability to do it. It should affirm them, such as, oh, you know, like I said, can, can you make that dish? I really like that. And then it's bringing affirmation to me. Oh, he likes that. Oh, I want to make. So your request to your spouse should affirm their ability to do it and should make them want to do it if you ask them nicely and you use kind words and you use humble words. Like, I'm just, maybe do you think? And kind of use that humility. Demands are expressions of guilt and fear. Those aren't love. Demands are expressions of guilt. And the fourth dialect we're going to talk about with this love language it is what this author calls notebooks and more. When I first saw that, I thought, what does that mean? Notebooks and more. The dialect of the language affirmation well, many dialects of the word of the language affirmation. One of the main ones is notebooks. Psychologists say the deepest human need is to feel appreciated. So this one, after I read and studied more about this one, it's really interesting. Um, and what the author suggests to do here with this dialect of having a notebook, he um, suggests that you get a notebook. So you might want to make note on that paper. You need a notebook. And what he actually said, well, words of affirmation can meet that need, that need for your, to feel appreciated, our need to feel, we all need to feel appreciated. And words of affirmation do that, whether it's your love language or not. Words of affirmation makes us feel good, you know, I like that dress, I like your hair like that, the house looks nice, the meal was good, the yard looks great, thanks for paying the bills, um, those kind of things, you can, you can give them words of affirmation, and it really meets that need that we have for appreciation. But this author, author actually suggests that you keep a notebook filled with words of affirmation and compliments. So maybe you hear someone else giving someone a compliment, and you think, oh, that, it, he actually suggests that you write these things down. When you hear words of affirmation and compliments given by other people, and that, that way you can use them, you can retrieve them, you can look at them, and use them with your spouse because sometimes we're human, right? Sometimes we can't think of the right thing to say or we'll think, what was that that they said that sounded so good? And what was, how did they word it? Some people are better with words than other people. And so you think, how was it they worded that? So if you'll write them down and keep different thoughts in your notebook or things that you hear, and you can use those. You can also use those words of affirmation compliments that you hear indirectly so maybe directly would be speaking them to them maybe indirectly maybe you would be speaking about them to your friend and you brag on your husband a little bit to your friend um, maybe when he's not around you can you can affirm him by speaking positively about him to other people you could uh, you know basically brag on your spouse. It's, it's a way of affirming them, even if they're not there. Works great with mother-in-laws. The book even says so. It's not my words. 
It does, though. It does affirm to them that you love them and you're taking care of them and you appreciate them. And a mother wants to know. My children aren't married yet, so I can only imagine. But a mother wants to know, I'm sure, that her child is being loved. And I'm sure, probably mother-in-laws in here can attest to this, I'm sure you like to hear when your daughter-in-law or your son-in-law tell you how much you appreciate um, their child and how great they've been to you. And you did a great job. He's a great man. He, he takes care of us. Or she, she does so great with the house. Or she's a good cook. Or, man, she really takes care of the children. And you're affirming your spouse even when they're not around. But they do appreciate that. Um, you can write them down. If you don't feel like you're good at speaking, even to your spouse, if you feel like it's difficult for you, you can write them a note and tell them in a card, dinner was so great last night, or I'm so thankful that we have a warm house and the bills are paid and that you took care of bouncing the checkbook. Or Do people bounce their checkbooks anymore? I don't think. <laughs> That's not really a thing, right? It's all online. <laughs> but... You know, whatever you, something that you want to appreciate him for, if you're not going to speak it, um, or, or even if you are speaking it, you could reaffirm it by writing him a little note, put it in his lunch, do something to, um, to write that out, just to, so they actually consider this its own dialect, is journaling it so that you can recall these compliments. That way you can encourage them. You should be able to make lists now of things that you love about your spouse. So if you have paper, I want all of you to write a list of a few things that you love about your spouse. Just take a moment. Shouldn't be that hard. considered your affirmation in action. Just make a list of those things. If you need ideas, um, <laughs> I already gave you some. Cooking, cleaning, finances. Keep your kids together. They're a great giver. you to take that list and you need to read those lists to your spouse. Now, you don't have to read them all at once. I suggest maybe take one of the things that was on the list and focus on that the next few days. Whether, you know, just really tell him how much you appreciate that he takes care of the little things. He takes out the garbage every week or whatever he does. I don't know. Um, that Maybe that my husband tonight, I'll brag on him. Even though he's not around, I, I'll affirm him. In front of you, um, we were juggling to get everything done, you know, eating dinner when he when he gets home at 5, but you have to leave at 5.20. <laughs> it's really hard to eat really quickly and throw the, and I don't like coming home to a sink full of dishes. He knows it, and we were eating as quickly as possible. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go brush Finn's teeth and make sure his hair's fixed. I'll do that really quick, and I come back in, and he's loading the dishwasher up really quick, and um, oh, that was great. And, you know, Thank you, honey, because he knew I wasn't going to have time to do that tonight before I left. And so I thanked him, but it would be a good idea 
for me to thank him again later. You know, I really, not just because I want him to do it again, <laughs> but because I genuinely do appreciate that. It was very helpful. And so you need to read different things to your spouse or tell them these things, even if they're not reading them or telling them to you yet, you still do the right thing. We always, it's always right to do the right thing. Eventually, they're going to learn your love language. The Bible references some people that um, maybe words of affirmation. I think a lot of times you can tell what their love language is by different things when you're around them. I think King David was definitely a words of affirmation guy, right? <laughs> you ever read Psalms? <laughs> He is full of compliments. <laughs> I think that normally the person that gives a lot, that's normally their love language. You tend to give your love language, right? King David is full of love and compliments about the Lord. And I'm thinking, I bet you words of affirmation was his love language. Barnabas in the New Testament, his name actually means, the word Barnabas actually means son of encouragement. And so we knew that encouragement's part of the dialect of affirmation, right? He verbally affirms the worth of individuals in Acts 2, Acts 9, Acts 11, Acts 12, Acts 13, Acts 15. Barnabas is constantly affirming people by his words. I would say that was probably his love language. Um, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Power of life and death is in the tongue. Also, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 this revised version is, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Also in Proverbs chapter 12, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. And it does work that way with your love language, with, this, with your spouse. It is so amazing what kind words will do in your relationship especially. It's so hard. You know, isn't it frustrating when you're in a bad mood and the other person's so happy <laughs> and they just keep being happy? You're like, no, I want you to be frustrated with me. <laughs> but after a while, then you have to laugh and then you kind of kind of changes your mood because if they just keep wanting to keep wanting, like, oh, and it kind of breaks it down and then you end up, your mood changes because kind words do that. Proverbs also says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the from the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things, as surely as the work of his hands reward him. So it, the Bible's full of verses that talk about kind words, words of affirmation, and how to encourage people. So we're going to stop with that love language, and we're going to move on to another one because we have time. The next love language we're going to talk about is quality time. Quality time. A lot of women, this tends to be theirs, not necessarily, but a lot of times um, it's theirs. How many people do we have that's quality time is their love language? Yeah, a lot of people. It's a popular one. Just like any other love language, quality time has different dialects. So we're going to talk about the different dialects of quality time. Quality time, by the way, means giving someone your undivided attention. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean being with someone. 
I'm, you know, you can be in a room full of people, but it doesn't mean you're having quality time just because you're with them. And that's really the first dialect. It's called togetherness. The first dialect of quality time is called togetherness. Because a central aspect of quality time is togetherness. And it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean proximity. Two people sitting in the same room, close proximity, they're not together. Togetherness has to do with your focused attention. Quality time means we're doing something together and we're giving our full attention to that person. Our spending time together in a common pursuit communicates that we care about each other and that we enjoy being together. Even if you're doing something that the other one enjoys and maybe you're not enjoying it, that's okay. You can still have quality time together. I want you to right now list a few things that you could do with your spouse that you think would be quality time. Maybe three or four things. Something you consider quality time with your spouse. We'll reference those later maybe. I just wanted you to list a few things. Oftentimes, quality time with your spouse isn't maybe what you enjoy. Maybe it's me going hunting with him, and he enjoys that, but it's quality time because we're together, and I know it's something he loves. I like watching Bible quizzing, and a lot of people might think that's boring. And he says, I love going with you to tournaments. I love watching how that you enjoy watching that. Like, it's, you know, doing something the other one likes. Maybe you love to shop, ladies, and... Your husband doesn't, but because he knows you love to do it, he'll go shopping with you. Or maybe he loves to watch a basketball game, and that's not interesting to you at all, but you want to hang out. Now, that isn't as much quality time because your conversation isn't focused, some of those things, but I just mean things you can do together that you would consider. So the next dialect in quality time, we have togetherness. The next one is quality communication or quality conversation. That's one of the most common dialects of quality time is quality conversation. This would mean quality conversation is not when your husband's telling you something, but you're reading that text message at the same time and you're saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. That's not, that's not quality conversation um, by doing other words. Words of affirmation focuses on what we are saying, right? We talked about that. Words of affirmation focuses on what we're saying. But uh, quality time focuses on what we're hearing. So that's really the difference in these love languages. One's about what you're saying to something. This one's really about what you're hearing from your spouse. When you do the premarital counseling or the prepare or the enriched marriage counseling, we'll go over uh, communication with couples. And we talk about it's good when you're communicating. You learn and you take those easy, calm classes in college. It covers the basic. But it is basic stuff, but it's, e it's good stuff to know. Communication's not one way, right? So if I say something, it's good if I tell my husband something when he repeats it back to me. It lets me know that I heard, that he heard what I said, right? So if I say, 
what are you going to do, you know, what are you going to do about da 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 If he says, oh, you're wanting to know what I'm going to do about da, da, he repeats it back. It lets me know that he understood what I asked. He was listening. And that's communication when you can repeat the information back or you can ask questions back and forth. So you want to have, you want to have quality conversation with each other. If I'm sharing my love for you by means of quality time, and we're going to spend that time in conversation, it means I'm focusing on you and drawing you out, listening sympathetically to what you have to say. And I'm going to ask genuine questions with a genuine desire to understand what you're feeling. Proverbs chapter 20, I wanted to reference Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. Sorry, I'm going to go up. Am I done? Screen, okay. Counsel the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And that's good. That's when you're conversating with someone, you're drawing out what, what they're saying to you. All right, another dialect, another dialect that we want to learn about is learning to talk. This one's not easy for everyone, but you have to learn to talk, especially if your spouse's love language is words of affirmation. But with quality time, you have to learn to talk to each other. Quality conversation requires not only sympathetic listening, but also self-revelation. When a wife says, I wish my husband would talk, I never know what he's thinking or feeling. She's pleading for that moment, that, that intimacy. She wants to know that. She wants to feel close to her husband, but how can she feel close to him if she doesn't feel like she knows him because he doesn't talk to her? And it's the same for if the woman doesn't talk to the man. He has to learn or she has to learn to reveal yourself to your spouse. You have to be able to be open with your spouse. You must. If their primary love language is quality time and her dialect is, quali is quality conversation, then her emotional, you know, we talked about the love tank the first week. If your tank was full or empty, her love tank's never going to be full if he doesn't talk about his feelings or his thoughts. And her love language is conversation and quality time. When we decide to learn the language of quality conversation, it may be like learning a foreign language. We talked about that the first week. Um, you know, if, if French isn't your primary language and you are trying to become close to someone that speaks French as their primary language, you must make an effort to learn their language so that you can communicate to them. And it's just like that with this love language. You say, I don't talk. I'm a man of few words. I'm a woman of few words. I don't talk. It's not my thing. I just don't talk much. You have to learn to talk if you want your relationship to succeed. You must. It's so important to communicate. It's such a huge part of your relationship, whether you're quiet or you talk a lot. You have to talk to your spouse. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, in a revised version, says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and have opened wide your hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. And so the Bible talks a lot, talks a lot about that, being able to speak. We already talked about the words of your mouth 
and what you can say and how important it is. Quality, okay, the next dialect is quality activities. So earlier you made a list of things you could do with your spouse when we were talking about togetherness. We're going to be making another list in a minute. Quality activities may include anything in which one or both of you have an interest. We talked about that a little bit. But the purpose of quality activities is to spend time together and to feel that your spouse cares about you. Man, like he's, he was willing to do something with me that I enjoy, and he did it with a positive attitude. That's love. And for some people, that's love's loudest voice. Quality activities might include things such as putting in a garden, shopping for antiques, listening to music, going on a picnic, taking a long walk, washing the car together. You can make so many, I have so many memories and think of things that we've done and just quality time, making memories together. Um, these activities that you do with your spouse, they're only limited by your interest and your willingness to try new experiences together. That's what limits them. The essential ingredients in a quality activity are at least one of you want to do it, and at least the other one is willing to do it, and both of you know why you are doing it, because you're expressing love to each other. And so that's the important thing about, about activities, even when they go really wrong. If you go on an adventure and it but if you're together and you're having quality time together doing that activity, it can be so much fun. And the, this book says, Fortunate is the couple who remembers an early morning stroll along the coast or the garden that they planted or the time they got poison ivy chasing the rabbit through the woods or the night they attended their first Major League Baseball game together. Those are memories of love, and especially for the person whose primary love language is quality time. So we talk about those. I want you all now to list some activities. You, we listed things you could do with your spouse for togetherness, for quality time, which would be more of the maybe a dinner where you're talking to each other. And now I want you to list activities you could do with your spouse, um, inexpensive activities or free things or some, some. This can be different than your togetherness activities. Again, your togetherness was about quality time and focused attention. So these are activities. You're supposed to list six. <coughs> the young couples are all done. They're listing really quick, and everybody else is <laughs> trying to think of You should compare your list with your spouse's list. And you need, your spouse should make a list and you make a list. So you each have six things, or you will have when you finish making your list. And you should uh, come up with three. Have three of them from each list and commit to doing one of those activities together once a month for the next six months. But record the activities that you do in order in which you do them. You can alternate maybe the cheaper one with the more expensive one. 
but you need to do it. And you think, oh, I don't care. And what's important here, especially when you have children and or work three jobs in school, whatever, you're busy, in other words. And it just keeps getting busier, I feel like. You know, I <laughs> kids think, oh, it's so busy when I'm in high school. I can't wait till I'm out of, you know, high school so that life can slow down. It's <laughs> And then they get to college and they think, man, the studying is so much worse now. It's so hard. As soon as I'm out of college, it's going to be so much easier. And then they get married and they think, man, it's just we're newlyweds. So we just have all this stuff going on. We just had that wedding and we're doing all this. We're trying to get it all figured out. Things are just going to slow down. It never slows down. <laughs> and so the, and the more children you have, and then later the more grandchildren you have, and Sister Powell, the more great-grandchildren you have, the more parties and everything you have to be at, right? <laughs> it doesn't slow down. And so you have to make time. You have to make time for each other with, with these things to do. You have to find, people say, where do we find time to do these activities? We make time because it's just as essential to our marriage as what meals are to your health. It's just as important. Is it difficult? Yes. Does it take planning? Yes. <laughs> Does it mean you have to give up some individual time maybe? Yeah. Does it mean we do some things we don't particularly enjoy? Yes. Is it worth it? Without a doubt. What's in it for me? Well, the pleasure of living with a spouse who feels loved and who knows that you've learned to speak his or her love language. And again, I, I referenced this in your very first session. I talked about how much it means. I remember going to Guatemala and not speaking as well as I used to be able to in Spanish. It was pretty rough. They were so excited that I was attempting to speak their primary language. They just loved it. They loved that I was trying to speak Spanish because I didn't have to have it all perfect. I was so rusty. And they just would giggle, and they loved it. Oh, you, you know, they got so excited because I made an effort. And it's like that with your spouse. So it might not be your love language. Quality time. So neither of these that I talked about tonight is my love language. But it is. With four children and a spouse, I, I have some of each of these. You have to learn these languages for the people, not just for your spouse, but for your children your loved ones, the people important in your life, you have to make an effort to speak their language. It shows them that you love them. It shows them that you're making an effort, that you care. It means so much to me when my children try to speak my love language. They know it's, you know, getting their stuff done. <laughs> I would much rather, you know, I'm an acts of service, so I would, it means so much more to me that they did what I asked them than if they made me a card or or buy me a gift or give me words of affirmation or tell me how good dinner was, but did you get your stuff done? And so when they get their stuff, they're like, Mom, I got everything on the list. I got this stuff done. Um, it makes me so happy. And so it means so much to me when they come up and say, Mom, I got all my stuff done. And I know what they're trying to tell me. I'm trying to speak your language, Mom. I'm trying to make you happy because they love me. And it has to be like that with, with uh both my girls really like quality time, and it's easy to get busy and do what I told you not to do, right? I'm trying to return a text or trying to make a quick call or cook dinner or do something, and they just want to have a conversation with me. 
They want quality time and togetherness and be able to talk when they know that I'm really listening and not just hearing what they're saying, but I'm really listening because it's their love language, and I have to get better at it. I have to get better at it because it's not, it's not my primary language. I'm not fluent in it. And so I have to be willing to learn it because it is their primary love language. And if you don't speak their language, they're not going to feel loved. If you don't make an effort to speak their language, they won't feel, they'll think she doesn't care. So I have to be intentional about learning all these love languages because all of my loved ones speak a different one. And it's going to be like that for all of you. All, everyone in your family might speak a different one. You have to learn these languages. It seems so basic, and yet it makes so much sense. It, it makes so much sense when you talk about foreign language and fluent language. It's just like that with our relationships. So um, next week, we're going to do the next two love languages, receiving gifts. Anybody have that love language? You like gifts? Yeah? <laughs> That's my fin. Acts of service. And so uh, that's the two that we're going to be talking about next week. And, again, um, thank you for coming. I think I saw one session already let out. The revival, if you have a young person here, I imagine they haven't let out yet. So you might have to wait. I know it's going to be powerful down there tonight. Um, you're dismissed. Use your love language with your friends. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.